it's, it's funny when we first talked about putting this together, we said, let's just go out there and do it and be authentic. And it, we have that chemistry and that connection where we can do that. And it's important to be vulnerable. When you operate from a vulnerable space, I believe you can make even more connections or the connections go further with people. They can relate, they can understand, and they can grab on to that. You've been able to do that for so, so much of your life. So I wanted to start from the beginning. And um, if you're open to sharing, tell us how your journey started and some of the obstacles that you have faced along the way that inspired you to be the person you are today. Anaya will also ask Katie to talk about sleep, why it's so important, and how do we get it? You were talking about sleep and why it can serve every area of health to the body. I was talking to a friend, Karen, about that and sleep patterns and how it affects us and affects our day the next day and how our energy level is and how we interact with people. A smidge a day, a funk and vibe kind of space for functional medicine and high vibration conversations. You'll hear interviews and discussions with thought leaders on living happy, full, healthy lives. A place where we are mindful of the energy we bring into this space and we are getting back to our factory standard settings of joy and health. Join me, Katie Rose, your host, certified functional medicine health coach, and happy vibes teacher, as I do it the only way I know how, just a smidge a day. All right, so I'm so excited to be here today with Katie Rose, certified functional health coach and educator. Um, you are also involved in nonprofit management and fundraising in health and human services for multiple organizations, and you've had over 15 years of consulting. Um, we're both fans of the Humorman Lab and also Tim Ferriss Show. Yeah. But you even have your own podcast, A Smidge a Day, which I love, based on functional medicine. And you've also had the opportunity to work on Watering Hope, Food is Medicine. So my question is, when is your book coming out? You're working on... <laughs> <laughs> You're doing so much. You, you've done so much and you're still evolving. You're still creating. And beyond all of that, you're such a kind, humble, yeah. sincere, authentic individual, which to me comes first because it's the foundation. Yeah. But that's just a sample of what you've done. But can you add on to that? A little bit? Well, I don't know. I think you did a great <laughs> job. My ego's boosted, and now I'm ready to go home. But um, no, you know, I mean, I think we bonded and connected because we like to see our passions facilitated, and we like to be in service, and we like the concept of abundance and hope and fulfilling needs in ourselves to be, to let our trauma become our wisdom. I think we both sit in that. And so, you know, your organization, Watering Hope, which is building itself to be in service to the mental health needs of the underserved through nutrition. I mean, oh my gosh, no wonder we hit it off so quickly. We both share in that passion and that belief and understanding that the science is there to support the wellness of others and mental health, and, you know, we know through mental health that we can do so much in the world. And so, um, you know, I, I appreciate all your flattery and compliments, and I know they come from your heart, and I just, you know, I'm grateful that you want to hang out. 
<laughs> yeah, it's exciting. And uh, they say the truth has the highest vibration. Mm. I know you believe in energy and vibration and yes, sir. Uh, being authentic and genuine. And it's, it's funny when we first talked about putting this together, we said, let's just go out there and do it and be authentic. And it, we have that chemistry and that connection where we can do that. And it's important to be vulnerable. When you operate from a vulnerable space, I believe you can make even more connections or the connections go further with people. They can relate, they can understand, and they can grab onto that. You've been able to do that for so, so much of your life. So I wanted to start from the beginning. And um, if you're open to sharing, tell us how your journey started and some of the obstacles that you have faced along the way that inspired you to be the person you are today. Yeah, you know, I was having this conversation with our friend Allison the other day. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is there's our inner, our inner knowing. There is a, a voice inside of all of us that just knows, knows that we deserve more, knows that we want more, knows that we desire more, and is connected to that more. And so no matter where we start in our journey, and no matter how many uh, horrible lies we're told about our value or lack thereof, you know, we can get removed and disconnected from that knowing and that truth, but the, it doesn't go away. It's there. And so, you know, I think about, you know, growing up at times where food was scarce and challenging, growing up, you know, I grew up in, in rural Oklahoma, and there was a lot about my youth and my growing up that was poor and ignorant. And the community at large had lots of struggles with resources and nutrition and um, wellness and belief. And, you know, it was very much um, hellfire and brimstone Bible Belt version of growing up. And that is a fear-based mechanism. And so between that and then, you know, being... Um, the commodities, the government commodities for food that's really just um, food substance. It's not actual nourishing food. It's just content. And so, you know, I was a kid who, you know, at times felt extreme lack and worry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started working at age 11 to try to contribute and be responsible for myself and contribute to the household. And whether that was scrubbing toilets, babysitting, taking every job, odd job I possibly could to help with things in our family life or just even to be responsible for my own expenses was a huge part of who I was. Um, but then, you know, there was a lot of dynamics in the emotional and mental dysfunction of my household, and that led to lots of um, food-related uh, misgivings and perceptions about bodies and what we should be and so for me I very quickly in my journey went into having non-stop stomach aches all the time non-stop anxiety and stress and this is as a little kid and I remember at 11 years old picking up the book I'm okay you're okay because I wanted to get clarity and be responsible for my own function mm -hmm. um, moving into you know constant health issues, and I remember telling um, adults in my life that my rectum hurt, and they were like, you're too young for that. There's, you know, that's an adult disease, colon cancer kind of stuff. That's nothing, but I literally had abdominal and rectal pain all the time because I was in an, a malnourished and un unhealthy state, 
there was a lot going on in the dysfunction of my family and the mental health issues in my family and just a real state of duress. And, you know, that eventuated in my perception as a young woman and I became bulimic for 15 years. Um, and then moving that into, you know, a continued story where I was having issues with stopping the pursuit, stopping the chase, right? And you and I have talked a lot about yeah. my dopamine chase that these food substances gave me and how that created such a dysbiosis and an imbalance in my gut microbiome that fed my brain. We know that the majority of our serotonin and dopamine comes from our gut. And I was creating this perfect storm with all these life conditions and uh, it just got worse and worse. And so I spent my 20s and 30s sick, fat, and dying. I was always miserable. I was always depressed. I was always on psych meds and, you know, and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, and that ultimately and eventuated in me having so many health concerns and so many health problems. And so that's my beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, and laced under that the whole time is the girl who knew deeply wanted and believed that there was something more for herself but had no way of understanding how to tap into it. I mean, when you're morbidly obese, you're getting fired from jobs because you're not showing up and performing, mm-hmm. you're staying home in bed, there's a lot of negative self-talk that <clears throat> layers that up and enables an opportunity for you to, to believe the negative voices and the negative opinions and to suppress your all-knowing voice and... Um, one of the girls uh, that I met recently talks about the deep self, the deep knowing, you know. So um, kind of a little a little runoff there on the early, early days of Katie. But it wasn't pretty, and I wasn't happy. And, uh, you know, it was physically unattractive, but it was emotionally unattractive. And it was financially unattractive. Mm-hmm. And so tapping into the self-knowing and always having that lying there and um, – so, yeah, that's part of the early story before the transition happened. We're going to touch on it a little bit more. I want to thank you first and foremost for being empowering, inspiring, and able to touch on some of these things that just, to be quite frank, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, some of the most disturbing or emotionally challenging times of our lives, the obstacles that we somehow found a way to turn into opportunity, which you've done, and to revisit these things. Yeah. They're not always easy. More importantly, though, it gives us the ability, the ability to share with other people that may have faced the same or similar challenges or they're looking for answers. And that's why I admire you is because you're here today to help answer some of those questions that many people that you may never even meet have yeah. and help them in a powerful way. So I want to talk more about how you felt mentally and how you transitioned and how you got the strength to find answers that were effective and that got you results. Yeah. Um, I think it was a a culmination of things at one point. Um, I, you know, I, I think that whole point of we don't ever know who we've impacted one. I had, I had, I think three big turning points that kind of happened all at one time or were happening all around the same time. One was my very beautiful grandmother died at 72 years old, and she looked like she was in her 90s when she died. She was very sick. She had um, rheumatoid arthritis, which we now know is an inflammatory response 
with huge connections to the gut microbiome and food and diet. And she was very miserable, in pain, crippled up, and she died a horrible death as a consequence of all the steroids and things that she was on to support trying to live. Mm -hmm. And she was 72, and I was in my 30s, and I was like, okay, so what? My life is half over now. I'm like halfway done. I'm middle-aged in my 30s. And that was just, to me, devastating, that I would lose her. I was mad that I lost her. I thought it was unfair. I thought there's more, and this is better, and this isn't how it's supposed to work. I remember grabbing my thighs and being like, we have a lot of life ahead of us. We are not halfway done yet. And so that was huge. Um, Equally, around the same time, um, I had a very... (laughs) very stern boss who I now love, appreciate, and adore for what she did for me during that time. And she held my feet to the fire and said, you are better than this. I see you. And she's somebody who had been through her own trauma and repair Mm -hmm. and had started to design a life of wellness for herself and having opportunity and had risen out of limiting conditions. And she said, you know, this is unacceptable. I won't tolerate this performance from you. You are better than this. And if you want to continue working here, you need to go start going to therapy. And so I started seeing a cognitive behavioral therapist, Mm -hmm. which I saw for 15 years, or I was in and out of therapy for 15 years. But that moment where she said, you are better than this, and I hold you to it. And I just felt like I you know, in some way didn't have a choice. I needed that job and I was tired of job hopping and getting fired because of my inconsistencies. And I wanted to believe her when she said, you're better than this. And so I remember the very first time I went to therapy and I you know, reported to her that I had scheduled that and started the process. She got me a congratulations card. Nice. You know, she's like, this is the rest of your life. It's going to get better now. Mm-hmm. And, and she was right. And then the other huge piece that, you know, I had the inspiration from my grandmother. I had the impetus and the push from that employer. But the how was functional psychology. I was watching PB. I was couch potato all the time, flipping channels. That was the way I tuned out, that and food. And um, PBS was running a a pledge drive, and they had Dr. Daniel Amon doing Change Your Brain, Change Your Life presentation. It was a a speaker series. And he started talking about the mechanism of the brain and food. And I bought his book and studied it religiously and started making mild a smidge a day adjustments to my life where I could, where I managed and could. I couldn't do everything, so I would pick one or two things. And one of the things was I was addicted to eating before bed. I couldn't, you know, because at some times in my youth we'd had food scarcity. Um, In my early youth, um, I had negative association with a growling stomach. And so, you know, an emotional PTSD response to a growling stomach. And so, you know, going to bed with a little bit of hunger or having an empty stomach for bed was not something on my purview. But what was, was, okay, well, if I can, according to Dr. Amen, I can adjust this and have protein instead of a carbohydrate. And then that's actually going to affect my brain chemistry the next day. 
Well, I now understand that so much of that is a cortisol spike in the night. It limits our ability to fully process the sleep depth that we need. We're working on limited resources. We don't get the chemical um, cerebrospinal wash that happens in the night. So there's a lot of that kind of we understand now, I understand more the mechanisms of why, but he started moving the dial for me on all these little parts of understanding the response that food would have in my body and how I can play with the equation and the chemistry of it. So those are the three big pieces that started the transition mm -hmm. for me. And then as time went on, that moving that dial encouraged me to move the dial in other areas. And then this gets into positive na narrative, right? The narrative of, oh, I'm a girl who decides things and it happens. I'm a girl who can make a decision and stick to um, a goal. That wasn't something that was part of my story before. None of that positive narrative was there. So, I love it. I love it. And um, I want to touch on that. You, you were talking about sleep and why it can serve every area of health to the body. I was talking to a friend, Karen, about that and sleep patterns and how it affects us and affects our day the next day and how our energy level is and how we interact with people. Before we hop into that, there's one powerful point that I want to talk a little bit about, and that's when you were at such a low point, I remember descriptively the way you described it to me, you'd reached a point to where you couldn't even really get out of bed. And the reason why I want to talk about this point, because whether it's mentally, physically, or emotionally for some people, they've reached a point to where they felt like or wanted to give up. So I want to make sure we cover that and then work our way out of that, how you got out yeah. of that point, because you experienced it firsthand. Yeah. So it's, it's good to hear from you. So it inspires others to know, for one, they can get out of it, too, and how to do it yeah. effectively. Yeah. So I think what's really important, and I didn't have this in my life at that time, but I want to give this to everybody, is when we are depressed, I think that it should be replaced with deep rest. Mm. We are in a deficit. When we are under that condition, we are not well. It's just as if you've come down with another type of illness and you are depleted. So understanding that the brain chemistry is not there supporting you right now and, and forgiving yourself, having grace for yourself or others in your life that are going through that, knowing that it's valid, it's real, it's broken, and also knowing that you can move the dial a little bit. When we have grace for where we are, we have the ability to have grace for small measures to move us out of that. So, you know, knowing that when we are in a depressed state, that it is a, a, a lack of dopamine. Anxiety is too much dopamine. Depression is not enough. So the unfortunate bad news for the whole world, <laughs> at large mostly, is that exercise is the great dopamine equalizer. That mm. When we have too much, it'll burn it off. When we don't have enough, it'll give it to us. Mm. But if you understand that you're depressed... You can also understand that with that dopamine, dopamine lack, that you can backfill it with healthy choices in your food. So throwing in the healthy fats, your brain is an, an uh, depressed brain is an inflamed brain. 
And so if we can soothe with healthy fats, so soothe with olive oils, soothe with avocado oils, soothe with clean grass-fed butters and ghee, that we're literally giving, our brain is mostly fat. And so when we have a deficit, and this is bad because this was like the Snackwell's era of like fat is bad, we ended up with a lot of mental health issues along with a lot of obesity because we pulled fat away. And our bodies desperately, desperately need fat, good, clean fat. Not to mention that if we're having an overstimulated system, our system is, you know, we, we end up with these toxicities in our blood we have to think about also what is the format in which we can um, detox and push that out. Well, your gallbladder and your liver are all talking to each other about and with the fat. So you put fat into your body, your gallbladder can produce that bile. If you're pulling fat out and not having it, your gallbladder can't do its job to feed your liver, and your liver can't detox all those chemicals, the excess of emotional chemicals and hormones out of your system. So if we can backfill with healthy fat, if we can have grace, if we can just say, I'm going to do this one little thing. And I love um, uh, from the Stanford University Science Behavior Lab, Behavior of Science Lab, Science of Behavior Lab. Anyway, Stanford University, BJ Fogg, he wrote the book, literally, Tiny Habits, out of all that research because we understand that when we select a small, tiny measure and we just get really good at that and we give grace for when it doesn't work, we don't beat ourselves up, and we just keep returning, return to the practice, then those things are the things that will move that dial. So it's, it starts with just go easy on yourself. You are where you are. You did what you did then because it's the best you knew how. Now that you know better, you do better. Our friend Maya Angelou said that. <laughs> and so, you know, it's really just giving love and patience and looking at the information and moving the dial a little bit. And when we get up and we move or when we get up and we have an accomplishment, it takes us out of the deep void. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just getting out of the house. Sometimes just going and brushing our teeth. You know, if you've moved to a place where you're self-care regimen has become impacted, that's noteworthy. That's just a data point. It's not, you know, time to self-chastise. It's a data point. And so you take that and you give yourself a, a little measure to get you to the next step. You hit so many powerful points. It's like, wow, where do we go? <laughs> I want to talk uh, and ask you a little bit more about, so say for some may have listened to you many times, a smidge a day, right? A That's smidge a, a day. I love that, a smidge a day. That makes it uh, attainable. And even I feel like I can, I can do a little a day, right? Yeah. Or maybe anyone can feel that way. You can change a lifetime. You can have everything you've ever wanted in your entire life via that, just a little bit. And so I don't forget, where do they find the podcast? How do they get it? Oh. I'm going to ask again at the end, but <laughs> it's been something that I've enjoyed, honestly. And the guests that you have on there, um, I've never been so excited to hear who the next guest is. <laughs> um, you had a dentist on there that I really enjoyed, and I shared that with many of my friends and family, and I learned so much Isn't about Isn't that crazy? Functional dentistry is an amazing field. And how it affects the rest of our body and our yeah. mind. And yeah. so um, how, do they find, how do they find that podcast, and where do they go? So Spotify and 
Apple Podcasts right now is really where it's at. Um, I'm looking to expand, but I'm I, those who know me know I'm not a very technical person, and I literally am jumping off the cliff and building the plane as I go and not knowing what I'm doing. Um, but it's a smidge a day with Katie Rose coaching, and you can just type in that. I think there is one other, a smidge a day kind of, or a smidge. There's something else that includes the word smidge out there, but I think I'm the only one that's a smidge a day. And then you'll see Katie Rose coaching associated with it. So that helps to clarify. If you have not taken the time, stop what you're doing now. <laughs> Check out a smidge a day. I love it. I've shared it with friends, family, powerful information that's helped tons of people, and I'm sure it'll help many more as you continue your journey. So thank you again for sharing that with the world. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's something I don't know what or why <laughs> I'm doing it. I just can't help not to do it. I was having all these really great conversations with practitioners mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is good stuff. I need to, you know, I always say that when you're having a, a beautiful plate at a restaurant and you take a bite and it's the best tasting food, you're like, oh man, you got to taste this. And you mm -hmm. give them your fork. I feel like that's an extension of that where I'm just like, everybody needs to get a piece of this information. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy it, honestly, until I, love I started listening to it. And yeah, I was like, wow, I've been very good. flattered is, by I you like on it. Yeah. It's, it's made me feel really good. So thank you. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of sleep and okay. how that plays a part. How important is our sleep when it comes to planning out how we feel to the next day, our energy, our health, all of that stuff. I want you to just give us your thoughts on that and how people can effectively apply certain things to their lives to have yeah. maybe better sleep or better energy or how that affects them on a daily basis. So um, if you're not sleeping well and you're not living well, they go hand in hand. And most of us in our modern society have so many impediments to our deep quality REM sleep, that rapid eye movement sleep. It is massive. If I'm working with somebody, it is the number one area that I want to get corrected as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Literally shift workers, so people who work odd schedules and who don't have consistency and who don't have circadian rhythm in their lives, they are the most impacted for depression. They are the most impacted for disease. The, the, the numbers are staggering now. So when somebody doesn't have stable, solid sleep, it has a massive impact in their overall wellness. And, and there are now reports showing that literally you can't lose a pound if you're not getting good, solid sleep. Like, so if you're holding on to weight, you're holding on to, you know, mental health issues. So what's important to understand is that sleep is the cleansing time. It's the rinse, repeat version of, of our bodies. So between, we now know that there's a, a glycolic wash, which is, if you look that up, it's G-L-Y-C-O-L-I-C wash, and it's the cerebral, so your brain fluid and your spinal fluid, they now, in the, just in October, this was really starting to come to the forefront as, as studies, that they now have imaging showing a, a, like, a, like the sea, like the tide coming in, like it's waving in and out from our brain to our spinal fluid, coming back and forth, 
cleansing and washing out the hormonal and chemical debris of our day before. So the, this primarily happens when we enter into deep sleep between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. So if you're somebody who is a, a night owl and you're, you know, going to bed at 2 a.m. and getting up at 11 a.m., and I've had, you know, people like that in my life, they're impeding this very important function. What we understand is that when we go into a deep sleep and remain there, it also promotes autophagy, which is the, the um, release, the f- sloughing off of dead zombie cells. So they call them zombie cells, and you can literally Google that. It's a, it's a loose term that they're using readily available now. So we have cells in our body that are being born and dying every day. We've got this death of cells, and we're supposed to release and slough those off. But without the deep restorative state of sleep, they're, they're just lingering, and so it becomes extra baggage. And so what I like to talk about, it, it kind of a comparison to help people understand, if we think about our body carrying extra, in times of need, that becomes more of a burden and a load that has to be cared for. So a great analogy of that is when we're cold and we have to pee. So like you get cold, you got to pee, like you know it. And the reason for that is your body is saying, hey, I don't need to be responsible for this excess material. Let's get it off so that I can just tend to the vital and necessary things. Same thing with carrying around dead cells. Your body needs to be alleviated of that extra weight, and especially in times of sickness or immune issues. So immunity is compromised by by, uh, lack of sleep. Our brain chemistry, you know when you did not get enough sleep, you feel stupid or cranky. (laughs) Like, you know, that is, there's a real reason. You are literally burdened and impacted by what did not get to wash out. Um, so sleep is imperative and it is instrumental and massive in, I think the number one pillar and and many of my colleagues and cohorts in functional medicine will say it's the number one pillar of healing, weight loss of mental health. So I, I can never sing enough praises of full sleep. I was today years old when I Figured out why. Found out why. <laughs> when I get cold, I have to. <laughs> I have to pee. <laughs> it all makes sense. Wow, I'm learning so much. I love it. I'm just enjoying learning, an abundance of information that just it all connects. And when we think about where we are in time today with social media, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, there's so many things that we could be on. It's always go, go, go. Yeah, yes, sir. That is not our nature. How does that play into um, our sleep, our patterns? We talked a little bit about frequencies. How do we know when enough is enough? Is it affecting our sleep? Is there a way for us to plan to have better sleep? And is that connected? I know those are a lot of questions, but. No, that's good. And, you know, I think the way you framed that question in my head went straight to children who don't want to give up their tablet or their game or their toy to go to bed. We are those same children. It's not, we don't want to give up the day. 
and we like what we like, and these functions are all dopamine hits, so we're getting a dopamine fill, you know, bam, bam, bam. Every time we scroll or change, we're in a dopamine pursuit. And so we wake up craving it. We go to bed with it. And so where that puts us is we have to be the decisive parent of ourself. So if you're a, a good, healthy, governing parent, you're going to make choices for that child to set them up for a healthy night-night time. And we need to set ourselves up for a healthy <laughs> night-night time. And that practice means getting the stimulus. Are you going to leave every light in the house on and give them treats until late and let them have all their noisy toys and they're running around like wild people? No. So what is that the adult version of that? And so the reason that's important is because I, I take people back to caveman days or ancient man. The evening, the sun would rise. We would peak with the sun. We would receive the sun. Our eyes and skin would actually receive that information. We would then have productivity. We'd have a cortisol spike. So the natural order, order of our cortisol, which is contributing to our energy boosts in the day, People have, they have mislabeled cortisol as being negative because it contributes to belly fat. That's cortisol gone bad. So cortisol, our natural order is we wake at the top of the day, we have a cortisol spike, we have the sun coming into our eyes and stimulating us for productivity. We go on about our day. As the sun comes down the crest and starts to set, our energy starts to set. We start to settle into the evening. Back in the caveman days, the only light that was available was a warm red glow of a hearth, right? And so here we are, everybody's talking about blue light. Well, we need both ends of the spectrum of light. The problem is we've been getting an abundance of the blue light. And so starting the day with sunlight, bef sun before screens is a common. Okay. 15 minutes of sunlight at the beginning of the day. Or if you have to wake up before the sunrise, turn on every light in the house. Fill your eyes. Flood your eyes. And then as the day goes on, honor the natural order of the calming sun. And honor that with the lights in your house, with the technology. You know, if you're going to be on technology, dim it. Turn it down to the warm tone. Um, and then no technology at all within two hours of bedtime because you're getting that stimulus right? It's the candy for our brain. Mm -hmm. And if we can create a space where our brain can start to simmer down, we were not designed to go, go, go mentally or physically and then crash and go to sleep. We need a wind down time. So that's, that's some of, you know, that with technology. And then, you know, in the bedroom, the um, electromagnetic frequencies, that's a real thing. The Bluetooth, the um, Wi-Fi signal, the um, cellular signal, these are all vibrations. They literally are emitting an electric magnetic signal, a vibration, and our cranium <laughs> is not strong enough to keep that out. It's coming in and it's emitting into us. So it's this mild level of stimulus. So you and I talked about it. I put my phone in the other room because I use my phone as the alarm, and I have some emergency contact people in my life that I want to keep my phone on, I put it in the other room, I turn everything way up so that if I have to get up, I go and attend to it in the other room. But 
having my alarm in the other room is kind of handy anyway to help me get myself moving in the day. Um, so, you know, getting our, I always say that our bedrooms should be for sex and sleep, and that's it. And so, and sleep first. <laughs> if you're getting enough sleep, it'll help your hormonal health and you'll get more sex, I promise. <laughs> yeah, because if you're in a bad mood, you're not doing well, and hormones are a huge factor in this, and hormonal imbalance affecting even our sex hormones. So it's just really important to really honor the bedroom as a place for nothing but intimacy and sleep. Um, and just getting the technology out, getting the lights out, um, you know, getting those stimuli. And when we talk about the circadian rhythm of light and the sun and that, that cortisol response, it's also important to know that our, our eyes, as the day goes on, our eyes process more of that light information. So when I wake up in the early morning and I turn on all the lights versus having all the lights on in the evening, I'm actually multiplying the evening content of light. So I'll try to make sure that clarifies because that's kind of a hard thing to illustrate, that my eyes are receiving and the, the dynamic of light is harsher and more in the evening than it was to me in the morning. That's everybody. So if we understand that ocular messaging, and our eyes are the only part of our brain that is, or is the only part of us that's literally a, a function of our brain. They are an extension when they're formed in the womb. They're an extension. So it's a direct informational conduit to our, to our brain. So that's a lot, and it's kind of technical. But, <laughs> but yeah, technology managing it is a big deal. What's the first step for an everyday person that sometimes I'm guilty? I'll be on Instagram, um, photos of family or friends or travel places. Or I, I love food. Yeah. We both love food and things that different chefs have prepared from all around the world and the colors and just getting caught up in it. And kind of, I consider it sometimes like between that and Bible reading, winding down. But the reality is it's not. So where, do, where does someone like myself or someone else, where do they start to disconnect and take effective steps to stop what they thought was really winding down, but it seems like it's winding up? Yeah, and this is where a smidge a day, progress, not perfection. If we take things away from people that they're enjoying or that are habit or that they're familiar with and just say, get rid of that, it's not working for you, it, you don't, it doesn't set for success. It's not sustainable. It's not going to happen. First of all, they might have complete resistance to it in the first place and be like, screw you, Katie. I don't like you. I'm not <laughs> listening to you anymore. You know, but then there's also the, okay, I did it for a week and now I'm back to my old habit. So really, it's about incorporating ways to make it easy for yourself. So if right now you're doing that, I kind of look at it the same way I would with anything else, with food habits or sleep habits, you know, any kind of um, thing that you want to move the dial on, mm -hmm. think about it as moving the dial, not changing it completely. So, you know, if you're like, gosh, I've been doing this till I go to bed and I go to bed at 1030, set a little alarm for yourself. Be like, okay, when this alarm goes off, I have lots of alarms to help me manage life. And it's, okay, this is, this is now the time that I'm going to shut down and have some me time. I'm going to, um, you know, take, if you take a, a, a 
warm or cold bath or shower, it doesn't matter which, that state change will take you out of the busy day and it'll put you into a mode change. Lavender essential oils, you mm-hmm. know, are just okay. really powerful as a sleep aid. Um, sleepy time tea. I don't think it's the organic. I don't think they have an organic option, but the, the herbs in that, it's easily accessible in almost every store in, in America that I know of. But it's it's creating ritual that says, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to either, I'm going to stretch, I'm going to turn off all the lights, I'm going to take 15 minutes that is, you know, and so it's starting to move that dial. So pick something you like. It could be reading, reading by a dim light, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure you're not using like the flashlight on your phone, which is bright and glaring, mm-hmm. um, you know, running a bath, running a shower, um, you know, taking one of my favorites for lymph drainage and, and helping to bring relaxation to the body is a yoga pose that's super easy called legs up the wall. So legs up the wall, you literally, you get your tushy real close to the wall, you're laying on your back, and your legs are straight up the wall. And, it, you know, do that for 5 to 15 minutes. It'll change your state. Um, just pick things that are from the intent of saying, this is my gear shift. And then you grow that, you know, and grow the separation. Maybe you're not growing those activities in time, but you're growing the separation from the technology. And so if at first you're starting off five minutes less on technology, Mm. and by the end of a year you're two hours less on technology, you've made strides in your mental and physical health that you will know. You will know. And you won't want to go back because you'll feel the encouragement. And then when you find yourself slipping, it's everything's a practice. We're not getting a graduate certificate from any of this. Mm-hmm. When we slip back, we just come back to the center. Just like with meditation, come back to your breath, come back to your intention, right? We, we flounder, or our intentions flounder, or we go off the trail. Just come back. Just identify it and come back. And with time, grow that effort. That's what I really appreciate about you is when you describe something, and you tell stories, I, I feel like many others, myself, can relate in the sense to where it seems as if they can do it also. You provide the proper steps that you can visualize and see yourself attaining because it's not overwhelming. Yeah, It's little bits, and anyone can do a little bit, right? That's the whole point, and that's the point of where I came from mm-hmm. is the people who knew me then can't they're they're blown away by who I am now because I was dysfunction at its best at its finest addictions you know emotional response just really in deficit living and for me to be I feel so powerful now and so in love with myself because I've over and over again I kept moving the dial on all these things so understanding that by taking that one little bit, that one little measure, you start to create a new relationship with yourself that you can trust. And then, am I perfect? No. But am I going to keep it in check? And, you know, next time I find myself off the, off the line, pull it back. Not in judgment or shoulds, but in love. Because, you know, if, if you're in a relationship and this person needs something for their wellness... 
you do everything you can to give that to them. Well, I'm in relationship with myself first. Treat me, I treat me the way I would want to treat others. And when I learned that, I was able to be in service to others greater than I'd ever been. Powerful. Share, if you don't mind, a few more gems of success to attaining great sleep, uh, which is connected, I feel like, to good mental health. Yeah. Emotional and even food is connected to our mental health. So what are some gems that you want to share that you feel are important for others that are listening yeah. that they can grab onto and run with? So sleep hygiene, um, some big hits. Same with technology as food, it, two, two to three hours before bedtime. So understanding that there are two elements that feed your circadian rhythm, food and light. And so knowing that if we're starting our day with sun and we're honoring the lowering of light and the calming of space and environment, well, if you go and throw some something in there that needs to be metabolized, right? <laughs> like that's, that's going to throw that off. And so I, I want to say that, gosh, 99.999% of the time, the people I work with that say, Katie, I work, wake up around 2 a.m. or give or take a little, and I'm wide awake for like two hours, just like I'm ready to start the day. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be tired tomorrow. And then a little bit later, I'm able to go to sleep. And then of course, I'm exhausted. Almost every single time, it's where was the last thing that you consumed? Mm. Almost every single time. So letting the evening also be a time that we start to honor the rest and digest. Because what happens is that cortisol spike spikes in the middle of the night because you've been digesting. So it spikes in the middle of the night. And then you use up some of your reserves in the middle of the night. And you don't have it the regular spike first thing in the morning where you're ready to start your day. So you're fatigued. Not to mention that, that's in that perfect window when you've got all that other cleanup work that's happening. So understanding that it's, you know, a matter of um, not interrupting that and to honor that. So no food within two to three hours of bed um, if you're having sleep disruptions. But even if you're not, people don't understand, oh, I stayed asleep the whole night. What was the quality? What was the depth? You may not have been woken awake, but were you in deep sleep? And so, again, if you're somebody like I was, which I had, I believed that I had to have food before I went to bed to be able to encourage sleep even. I was like, I can't go to sleep if I don't have food. Move that dial. Five minutes this week. Five minutes later next week. Five minutes later the next week. Real slow, real low. And just baby step it. Um, the other thing, too, is I love an eye mask. So no matter how dark I can get my room, there's always these little bits of light that are coming in. And if we understand that after the sun sets, our eyes are actually receiving light in a more intensified version, then those little irritating lights in our room in the middle of the night or when we get up to go to the bathroom, those are, are filling our senses, and they're disrupting our sleep pattern. So it's magnified. And so understanding that. And so I, I try to keep things dim. I wear an eye mask. Eye masks are great because I'm so used to wearing them that now when I'm in a hotel or on an airplane, 
it's it's there in service as part of my habit. Um, the other things too are, um, you know, really again creating a calm, cool space, creating ritual before bedtime. I'm terrible at ritual. I am. You've you've met me. I'm like I'm I'm like all over the place with habits, but. You know, it's that leaning in, and so it's it's knowing that I'm just going to start making the measures. Um, the functional dentist episode mm-hmm. that I had, we talked about mouth taping, and so do you remember that, where it's like the little piece of tape? <laughs> so I'm real sexy at night. I go to bed with a big old eye mask and a little piece of medical tape over <laughs> my mouth, and I'm like, honey, good night. <laughs> like, good luck getting whatever you thought. That's a sign. He's like, well... I'll try again tomorrow. And scene. (laughs) (laughs) So, but so thinking about how we breathe is huge for our sleep. So we know this with sleep apnea that we have people who get, have all kinds of, oh God, congestive heart failure that can be improved once they've dealt with their sleep apnea issues. Well, just a little bit of a disruption or um, throat, that deep throat, kind of like where it's like cutting off and you're limiting your breathing breathing through your mouth. So what we, beautiful science, in the 90s, they discovered an amazing chemical, nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is the, it was early 90s, I think, was when the Pulitzer Prize was awarded for this discovery. So when we breathe through our nose, the membranes, the blood vessels and membranes in our nose, we inhale through our lungs, so from our nose into our lungs, it creates a chemical response, nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is the blood pumping energy source of our blood. So it feeds our heart, it feeds our brain, it feeds our penis, like the blood, where blood has to go and for life and vitality. So when we mouth breathe in daily life or in our sleep, we are limiting the amount of nitric oxide, which fuels and feeds our power, right? Our power is as people. This was literally the chemical, what it's known for is for Viagra. That's where, Mm. that was where the money followed it. And so now they've done a lot more discovery with it because Viagra helped to fund a clarity on what was happening there. But it wasn't originally discovered for Viagra. That's just, you know, where the money would go for it. But so when we nose breathe, we create an opportunity for a deeper sleep and a more nourished sleep. But also, with the functional dentist that I had on, (coughs) Dr. Stacy, she's super wicked smart. Like, oh my gosh, she's so smart. I just want to listen to her talk all the time. Anyway, with the mouth taping, we also are closing off the air that would come into that bacteria in our mouth, healthy bacteria or bad bacteria, and feed it. And so that also contributes to our depth of sleep. Is understanding oral hygiene from a functional medicine directive changes everything. So it's really hokey. It's really way out there. I doubt that most people will do it. But if you are having trouble getting a depth of sleep that you need, you're sleeping through the night, but you just feel tired, a little piece of medical tape over your lips to hold them together, and I get the best sleep now. Do you typically do that? I do it almost every night. Sometimes wow. I forget the tape is by my bed. And sometimes I actually have, I meet my own challenges with yeah. resistance. 
Like I do. Like I'm sometimes like, I don't want to do that. I'm tired. I'm not going to do that. And I don't get the sleep that I wanted. That's powerful. I didn't know that. And it's this, um, it's fun and exciting learning different ways. <laughs> it's to be super weird, right? <laughs> the most important things, right? We need our rest. We need our sleep. Yeah. We need this. You always come with this dynamic just abundance of energy, right? <laughs> Whatever I'm writing, I'm just like, energy. I love it, though. Yeah. I like, I feed off of it. Oh, I love I'm it. like, ready to go. I feel like I can go run a marathon just from hanging out with you for a bit. You, you touched on a point I wanted to cover that we went through really quick. When someone wakes up in the middle of the night, whether it's two, three, four, many of us have done it. Yeah, and we can't get back to sleep. Or What, are they, what, are they, what do you do during that time? What, what do you suggest that? Try to calm yourself and get back to sleep. If you can get back to sleep within the 30 minutes, great. If not, get up and and try to do something constructive like reading, but no light. Try like, you know, like a lamp. I, I get that you can, you're not going to get up. Um, you know, get out of bed and get on a yoga mat or on the carpet on the floor and just stretch, mm-hmm. you know, elongate your body. Um, go take a bath. You know, that's that's huge for me. When I was really sick and still recovering, there was so many times that the middle of the night had an Epsom salt bath in it because I needed to just kind of reset and calm my system. Um, but the bigger thing is, I'm telling you, within a few days of moving the food time, people have immediate response. It's not That one's not a hard one. If you can get that food time moved up two to three hours you will see that vastly improve. The other thing I like is um, magnesium. So I love natural calm magnesium drink before bed. It's very helpful for inducing sleep. Our soils are depleted of magnesium. If you're in America, you are not getting enough magnesium through your food, period. So you have to take magnesium. It helps with stool. It helps with mood. It helps with sleep. It's a huge contributor, and I love the natural calm product. Um, the other thing too, people will want to take melatonin and I can't wave you off away from that enough. So when we take external melatonin product, we are telling our body that there's plenty in the system and to stop producing our own. So that's why people get more and more addicted to melatonin. The other thing that's important is with all of these sleep-inducing behaviors. So we know that the normal household not technology-ran household, but just a normal evening household, impedes and and gets in the way of up to 50% of our natural melatonin productivity. So we're, we're, when we go dim in the evening and we calm ourselves and we kind of think about the caveman around the fireplace with no activity and community sharing and just kind of calm and low, that in itself produces melatonin. That turns on the melatonin um, production in our body. All the normal activities of a busy household in modern society cuts that production in half. Well, what we now know about melatonin, and this is some fairly new science, is that we understand that melatonin not only helps us find deep sleep, but it is a antioxidant coating of our mitochondria. And the mitochondria is our powerhouse of our cell. It's life force in itself. So if we are creating a coating, a protective antioxidant coating over that mitochondria through melatonin naturally, through natural sleep, 
we are elongating in, in our longevity. We are creating longer, healthier, vibrant lives. So when you see somebody with great skin and hair and they have a lot of energy and they're in their 60s and you're like, how did you get that? That's their mitochondria that's really healthy and it's had that antioxidant. So antioxidant and oxidative state being wear and tear. So these are all things to contribute to being on fire, living alive. So now you've given away the secrets to your skin regimen, your hair, <laughs> why you look phenomenal and amazing. We appreciate it. Just I'm more, working more on gems. it every day. Well, it makes sense. It all makes I'm, sense. I'm in repair. So I'm always, you know, and I think, you know, our skin is a data point. You know, this is, I call my body, my face, my hands, my feet, biofeedback machines. Every morning I look, I'm like, what kind of swelling's happening around the, the bones on my feet? Is there, can I see the bones on my feet? What's happening in my skin? Is there bags under my eyes? What's that tell me about yesterday's food? We got off that cruise, and I did a really darn good job, but towards the end I was eating stuff, and I'm, I can see myself. I'm like, ooh, girl, you aged. And so, you know, it's, that's just information. It's a data point, and it's for me to regulate. So, so no more picking up my phone if I wake up at 2 in the morning and yeah. looking through emails and trying to work and thinking and I'm being productive. It'll That's disrupt you. Okay. You, Powerful. You are less productive from that mental um, uh, deficit. Yeah. So you might be making use of the time, but it's undermining the function of your ability the next day. Mm. And you're going to do more. You're going to be more of a powerhouse without it. And you'd be proud of me. I just ordered some more magnesium through Calm. I got yeah. the watermelon one yeah. <laughs> on Amazon. Not a sponsor, but so convenient to have that. And I'm trying to get in this routine where it's, you answered so many questions I had about, okay, so when should we stop eating? And then what routine can we have that, uh, that'll be effective? Yeah. So you've covered so many points that's going to help countless people on their new way of just having more energy, better sleep. And just feeling great. There's nothing better than feeling good when you wake up. When yeah. You wake up and you want to get out of bed and you're just ready to go. You're excited. For it's going to be a great day. Instead of the snooze button. Yeah. Can I hit the snooze button yeah. just a few more times. No need for that. Yeah. So this is really, really good. If you could go back and tell your 20-year-old self something, what would it be and why? I love you and you are just even better than I thought you could be. Like just, yeah, just... The, the, the moving away all the crap so that she can see what she believed was true. I remember, you know, as a kid, feeling like I'm on fire for this earth and there's going to be something amazing come. And then the years and the bad relationships and all the bad messaging piled up on top of that. And that that girl on fire went away for a long time that makes me want to cry she went away for a long time oh but baby <laughs> she's back <laughs> she's back and you better watch out because she's probably bigger than she thought she was going to be <laughs> and that's the heart right the heart of me is bigger than what I thought I could be I mean all the other stuff I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> like it's figuring it out it's all in service it's knowing that if my trauma can become my wisdom and I see somebody in trauma, I just want to lift that veil from them and say, it, 
it's there and you know it's there and I know it's there. So let's stop screwing around. Let's pull it out. I like that. That that leads me into um, just a thought because um, everything here we've done organically. We don't have notes. We're no. not looking at anything. We're just vibing and just creating as we go. So that what is the key for you then to happiness? and How do you find that? I love that. So my number one question for happiness for myself and what started to change some of this ability for me to come forward in my truth and my wholeness is a simple question. What do I prefer? So I had never asked it. I'd always been about others, always been about attending to them, always been about shoulds and guilt and must. And at a certain point in one of my darkest um, I, my friend Crystal McDonald calls it the dark night of the soul. I, it revealed itself to me that I have to ask, what do I prefer? And, and I walk this in my practice, in my coaching practice, I walk people through this. We have put aside what we prefer so readily that we don't even have an answer to that question anymore. If you ask somebody, well, what do you prefer? Oh no, honey, take I'll take what you don't want or you know, there's this whole like, oh no, I'm I'm here to take care of you and no 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 no. It's imperative that you ask yourself, what do I prefer? And in the beginning of starting that question, you aren't gonna there's a huge chance you won't know the answer if you've never really paid attention. When we ask what do I prefer, we are asking ourselves, who am I? What is my agenda? What is the base of who I am and my purpose on this earth? When I ask what do I prefer, it's a conduit for me to understand that I have a voice, I have an opinion, I have a position. And so when I first started asking myself that question, I was like, that's great, but I don't freaking know. I've been in service to everybody else, and I've been under and suppressed all this time. And so I got in the habit of trying to practice asking it. It could be you know, I was handed two food items. What do I prefer? I would practice the phrase. I, I was handed, you know, two calendars on dates, you know, any, any little thing. And I started asking, what do I prefer? And what happened is over time, the answers started coming to me of what I prefer. And now I have so much clarity on all things of what I prefer that it's very rare that I'm not first in service to myself and from that, I'm so much more powerful to be in service to everybody else. And so the seat of my happiness is knowing what I prefer. And sometimes it's, I prefer the path of least resistance and to not challenge myself. Or I, you know, it could be a myriad of things. But it's kind of like what I told you, where it's like, come out and play. Let's just come out and play and be, be the kids free of all the junk. And let's come together, and it's like knocking on somebody's door, and will you come out and play with me? And then we get to have this banter and engagement because we're sitting first in what do we prefer. Powerful. Very powerful. It reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures that says there's more happiness in giving than there is in receiving, and you've truly been of light that have shined upon many of love, kindness, endurance, inspiration, motivation, genuine and authentic by being so passionate of sincerely helping countless people from 
the bottom of your heart. That's how we connected yeah. in, in the very beginning. So I want to thank you for making the time, creating the time to share so many gems, so much valuable information with so many people that need it. And some of these things we don't talk about enough, but you're here today to talk about these things. And I'm super excited to see what's next for you and what you're going to create. I know you're working on lots of fun things. And what I love about it is it's looking for ways to help others, which to me, that's powerful. You, you operate from a sense of, a, of abundance instead of scarcity. Yes, sir. And then that makes you limitless yeah. because you have that desire that's motivated by love that can move mountains. Yeah. I le- you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. I kind of don't have this strategy. I just know that this is so much love and empowerment that I want others to feel. There's just so much there. And, and I know that I know that I know that it's theirs. And, you know, if I can help move the big feelings and mountains that are standing in the way, I don't know. It's really weird. It's a, you know, I don't know if these things come from an altruistic place or just a compulsion for truth, right? I think that sometimes that's more what it is. It's I know that they, that everyone around me deserves to feel how good I now feel. And I know the sorrow of the other end of that. I, I appreciate your, your compliments and your love and your light and your sharing, and I appreciate that you, I feel seen with you, and I feel like you're my friend, and it's just super fun hanging out with you. Thank you, thank you, and if, truthfully, if more people were like you, the world would truly be a better place. Thanks, and, love. Uh, you've always been genuine and vulnerable in the sense to where you, you bring individuals to a space where you're open to sharing what you went through. So that makes it an easy platform for everyone else to be vulnerable and really open up about what's really going on. And from there, we can start to have movement and change. So Katie Rose, today we're here. (laughs) We're excited to have you. We celebrate you. We're inspired by you. We appreciate you. And tell us one more time, please, where to find you, where to find more information if we want to learn more about you. I know your book's coming out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for it to drop. But share with us, please. Where can, where can we find you and how can we learn more about you? Well, um, my website is katierose-coaching.com. And then you can see a little bit about my story there. Um, my handle for social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram is uh, at a smidge a day. And I'm way better about posting on Instagram than I am the Facebook business page. Um, But you'll see the Instagram is is a mix of me personally and my positions and philosophies. Um, From time to time, I host a program, a, a class called Willpower is a Myth. So if people are interested in how to convert their cravings and their demands for food and have a better food relationship, that's the place. Um, and then um, the the podcast, A Smidge a Day with Katie Rose Coaching. And, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful for this. And I love and appreciate you. Yeah. And one last thing, you've also been able to work with corporate companies um, all over the world, people, different yeah. individuals. Can yeah. you share with us what you've been able to do and 
how you've been able to help them so people in those spaces know how to find your or yeah. what value you add to them. That, I have a page that lists all my different branches of service. Um, so, uh, and that's on my website. Um, but yeah, the, the heart of what I do is I, I sit with people individually or in groups, everything from individual coaching where we look at where they are, meet where they are right now. There's no preparation that they have to do, but it's helping them turn that dial. It's helping them with their perspective and their vantage point. And it's also education, bomb dropping, right? It's knowledge because you can only do what you know how to do. And so it's that's the hand in, you know, uh, one-on-one coaching. Um, and then working, too, with, you know, diagnostic nutrition. So evaluating their labs and understanding what's chemically going on that would be creating shift in their wellness, everything from mental health and hormone health to obesity to, you know, blood sugar issues to you name it, run the gamut. Um, so really doing deep dives into their labs and understanding what's happening and then converting that into a nutritional protocol that serves them, the individual. So nutrition is very personalized, but medical nutrition is extremely personalized. Um, and then corporations and practices, um, so working with functional medicine practitioners and naturopaths and even traditional, the traditional medical complex has me coming in and coaching on blood glucose and blood sugar and diabetes programs and, you know, all these different programs. And then, you know, stress management in the corporate coaching arena. And so helping to people to understand how to process their lives in a more healthy platform so that then they are not so burdened by the work. And, you know, it's re- I call it waxing the surfboard. So life is full of waves. You're going to get, you know, get wave after wave. But if we're waxing our surfboard and really doing what we need to when, when we're not being hit by those waves, when they come, we can ride them. And then we're not eating sand. We're actually coming out the other end going, hey, I survived that. And so it's all these mechanisms for that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. That's really, that's kind of the rundown on that. Thank you again. Uh, I feel like we don't talk about mental health enough. And as we spoke of earlier, it just seems to be declining. And you being one of the leaders to bring that to the forefront, to talk about it openly and honestly, um, we can't get enough. We need more of it. So thank you. We appreciate it. And we're excited to see what's next for you. Yay. You've been wonderful. Thank you for having me on. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining me today as I do something I totally adore chatting about health and happiness. If you'd like more great info, shoot me a message with your email address and I'll sign you up for my newsletter with all my favorite tips and tricks and goodies to support your happiest and of course, healthiest self. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like it, follow it and share it with others. If you'd like to locate a functional medicine practitioner in your area, please visit ifm.org And if you'd like to take advantage of a free initial consultation with me, of course, I can be found at katierose-coaching.com. That's K-A-T-Y-R-O-S-E-coaching.com. Please remember this podcast is only for educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services.
I hope you enjoyed today's show as much as I did. Stay well, my friends, and remember it only takes a smidge a day to lean into the life that you've always dreamt of.